I always love it to come up here, especially in the early service, and come up here and turn around and see who showed up since I turned my back to you. I'm just glad that you're here. You know, it's, and uh, it, I guess still a little early for some of you, but I'm glad that you come and supporting this early service. Glad you're here. How many of you know what the R word is? Anybody? Come on, somebody say it. To, what is the R word? Responsibility. And we, we use it this way, the R word, because we, we don't like that word. We don't like to have responsibility. I mean, we're all looking forward to one day retiring, so we don't have any responsibility, right? But we've already preached that about how we still have responsibility even after we retire. Everybody that is alive has responsibility. And today we've talked about, you know, the responsibility of men. We've talked about the responsibility of women, and uh, we talked about our responsibility to God. And so today we're going to talk about our responsibility to each other, one another, and, uh, and what we've got to do to uh, uh, be able to fulfill what God has called us to do and be to one another. Sometimes it's easy. This past, uh, this past week, I read a, a message from uh, Gabe Lyons, and uh, he, was, he was at Catalyst. I don't know if you got to hear him or not. I don't know if he was one, in one of the small things or not, but Gabe Lyons, and, uh, and he talked about the church of the last century, you know, the one that I grew up in, you know, the, the, the last half of the 20th century, and how that, that generation of the church built walls or fences. And, and basically, the, you know, we just kept building our churches bigger and bigger and, and as if we were building fences around ourselves to kind of isolate ourselves. He called it a separatism, you know, but we were, there was a separatist attitude about it because, you know, out there in the world there's a lot of sin. If you're not careful, if you hang out there with them too much, you know, that sin will get on you and you'll start seeing it. So we, we kind of got this separatist attitude and, and we, we started basically building fences around ourselves. We started creating ways that, that we didn't have to associate with the world as much. I mean, we built our big churches and, and hey, uh, the 20th century, the church was in its heyday. I mean, the, the power of God was being poured out and a lot of great things were happening. And, and I mean, you know, people, if, if you wanted to get elected to office, especially here in the, the Bible Belt, you had to be, you know, you had to be a member of some church somewhere so that you could say, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and I believe in the Bible. And, and we, we took advantage of that, but in the wrong way, and we built our big buildings, and we built our big structures, and we basically did it like Field of Dreams, you know, build our church, build it, and they will come. And we made people come to us, and we, we built our fences, and, and, we, and we did everything we could to convince people from the, insi- from the inside out to them. We tried to yell over the fence and convince them, you know, you're going to hell if you don't come in. And, you know, that, that worked with a segment of the population for a long time, but that's no longer working anymore. And he talked about how now in the 21st century something else is going to happen and transpire, and he was talking what he hoped to be, I, I believe he was thinking was prophetic, what God was going to do. But there's something about this that, uh, something about his words that resonated with me because it's something that I've been watching and it happened in a different way. Because the 20th century church, our fence was the building. And now buildings are great. I mean, you gotta have buildings because buildings are where we come together. Buildings are where we come together and we get our toes stepped on. We need that every once in a while, right? Amen. Can you, can you say amen to that? Can you be adult enough to say, yeah, I need my toes stepped on? We need that. We need, we need a place to come together to get trained. We need a place to come together to, to, to have vision. I mean, if we don't spend some time together to, to hear what we're all talking and thinking about, then we'll be running in all kinds of different directions. So we, we need all that. We need, we need time to come together and, and to pray for it. So the building is not, is not evil in itself, but if we're not careful, the building becomes something that segregates us from the group of people out there that God wants us to reach. But in this century... And, and there's, a, there's a lot of churches now in this new century that's about a decade old now, you know, this, this new century that a lot of churches are trying to tear those fences down. 
But then I look and I say, well, we're, we're building other fences. We're building fences around ourselves individually. That maybe the church is trying to get out there, but we're, we're protecting. I mean, today more than ever before, I, I think people are, are protecting their time. I mean, you know, uh, you, you don't want to listen to anybody's sob story. You know, you'll just shake their hand, say, how you doing, and hurry up and go on and hope they don't tell you how they're really doing because I don't want to get involved. They probably just want a handout anyway. You know, they don't really want God to change their life, and they're not really sincere, and so why even waste my time with them? And, and, and we, protect our, we protect our time, and we protect our, uh, all the stuff that we have around us. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, and, and I'm not advocating you need to start stopping and helping everybody on the side of the road that breaks down. I've done that sometimes, and my wife, you know, kind of gets worried about me that I'm going to do that someplace in the wrong place, and I try to, try to be uh, in touch with God. But you know what I'm ha- what's happening to me more and more, uh, it, seems like, it seems like now when I see somebody broke down on the side of the road, it's easy for me to say, well, they've probably got a cell phone. You know, and I don't even have to hear from God. They've probably got a cell phone, and they don't need me because they've probably got a cell phone. And I can just isolate myself, keep my fence built up around me, and just keep on going down the road. And, you know, nothing wrong with cell phones, right? I mean, cell phones are a great thing. I mean, it's, it's great that my kids can get in touch with me anytime they need to. If they've got a problem, I mean, it's, a, it's a great thing. Uh, when we lived out of the state, that was an awesome thing to have that. But if I'm not careful, you know, I can, I can use that as this is an excuse for me to build another fence around myself. And, and the social media, the, uh, you know, the things there, there, there's some awesome things that are happening with, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, we're using some of those things and uh, blogs and, and uh, you know, we're using email updates, but if we're not careful, you know what, all these things, and they're good things, again, just like the building is a good thing, not a problem with that, but if we're not careful, we can use those things as well to build fences around ourselves. and Gabe Lyons said something, I kind of dug into deeper a little, I wanted to know a little bit of who he was, and I saw something on his website, and he said this, he says, as Christians, we know that friendship is a God-given asset for life's journey, do you know that, do you know that God gave you friends? I mean, he did, and he gives a couple of scriptures to prove it. Our scriptures tell us that a friend's counsel is sweet like oil and perfume, Proverbs 27, 9. And a friend's criticism is trustworthy and helpful at verse 6 of that same chapter. God gave us friends as, as an asset for our life's journey, our spiritual life's journey on this earth. And, and if we're not careful, we'll just build fences around ourselves, and we won't take advantage of the asset that God has given to us. I, I tweeted this morning and also posted on Facebook that I need you this morning. I just wanted you to know, I need you this morning. I, I, need, I need you to be here this morning. You know, I need you to, to be here for somebody else this morning. I, I'm, I'm sure you need somebody to, to be here for you today. I mean, we need one another. He, he goes on, but this type of friendship, uh, uh, trusted dependency in which someone can freely offer constructive criticism and knows enough about your life to offer helpful counsel, it requires actually spending time with each other. You know, you're not going to get this kind of relationship, you know, just speeding on down the interstate and waving at your friends when they're broke down on the side of the road because they've got a cell phone they can call the wrecker. You're not going to get this kind of relationship even through Facebook and Twitter. I mean, it's going to take spending some time together. It's going to take some of, taking down some of the fences and allowing some people to get in and invade our space every once in a while. Oh, you got to be careful because there's a lot of people out there that are up to no good. I mean, they're not just talking about criminals. I'm talking about people that are just sometimes kind of up to no good. But if we're not careful, we will build so many fences around ourselves, nobody can get in, and God can't even use us to get out. So... I hope, first of all, I hope you agree with that first thing up there. We know that friendship is a God-given asset for, life's journey, for our life's journey. 
I hope you'll agree with me that God gave us friends. I mean, it's obvious through Scripture over and over. I want to take you to a parable. Now, this is really not a parable. It's actually a true story from the book of 2 Kings. I want to take you there, but I want to use it this morning as a parable to show you some things. I, I, hope, we will, I hope we will all at least, let, let's agree together right here, first of all, that friendship is a God-given asset for my life. Okay? And then we can move on. And now let's look at a story. and It's kind of a parable to show us some of the things that we need to do to reach out. But I, I want us to have a word of prayer here right now, okay? We, a little lengthy introduction, okay? But I want to have a word of prayer. And let's ask God to really mess with us today, to tear down some fences. And well, we've got to allow some people to get close to us again. We've got to allow some people to get close enough for God to minister to them through us again. Let's ask God to pull down some fences. Let's be willing to accept the challenge that the Holy Spirit is going to give us in this service. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God, for, uh, Lord, you are always the same. You never change, as we say just a few moments ago. But, God, I change. Lord, I wake up some days and I don't have time for anybody else. I wake up some days and I just don't want to hear anybody's junk. I wake up some days, Lord, and, and I, I, just want to, I just don't want to deal with that same, same problem that that family has today again and, to, and tomorrow again and the next day. God, I thank you that you're not like that. You are the same. Lord, I help you. I ask you to help us. I pray, God, that you would help me today to take down the fences, Lord. There's so many fences around my life protecting me, protecting my time, protecting all this. Lord, I ask you, God, help me to allow myself to be vulnerable, Lord, like you were vulnerable, Lord, so that I can be the light that you want me to be, the soft that you want me to be. God, the, have the impact in this world. I can't do that from behind the fence, Lord. And I pray, God, stir me. God, challenge us. Oh, God. God, please, I pray that everyone in this house today would accept the challenge, Lord. God, to take the fences down and begin walking like you walked among the people, Lord. Getting dirty like, like you got dirty, God. Uh, hanging out with the, the ones that don't deserve God in their life, God. I ask you, Lord, help us today to receive that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so, so 2 Kings chapter 7, and uh, there's, there's a great famine in, in the in the city right now. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story. And I, I love preaching from this story, but uh, I'm not, this is something new. I've never preached this like this before. Uh, and we're just going to take a little short part of this story right here today. Now, this is a true story, but we're going to use it as a parable to talk about the things that you and I are supposed to be doing because we have responsibility to each other. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit here until we die? Now, four lepers, they, they were sick. Now, th- what do we know about them? Well, we know there were four of them. We know there were lepers. Okay, so you say, we don't know a whole lot about them. Well, you know what? Actually, we probably do, because if you could just let your mind wander for just a moment, you could think of a lot of things that you would know about them. One of the things you would know about them is they were outcasts. They were outside the city. People didn't want to be close to them. Because of that, you know what? It didn't say that the four, there was a family of four people, because you know what? They probably weren't from the same family. They probably weren't even friends growing up. They probably didn't even know each other until they all came down with the same malady, this leprosy. And now they started, they came to know one another. Now, we don't know what the demographic makeup of it is, but I just want to imagine for a moment with you, if we can just imagine and think about this, is there was probably one that was more well-off than the rest of the, the bunch. There was probably one that, maybe even if he wasn't rich, that he had more money than the rest of the three. I mean, one had to have more money than the rest of them, right? And one had to have less. But I can imagine that there was probably maybe a rich man or a well-to-do man in this crowd and maybe three that weren't as well-to-do. Maybe there were a couple of them were young and a couple of them were old. You know, and maybe, maybe 
three of them, you know, they, they looked all right. You know, they were kind of nice looking. And one of them, he was just dog ugly. You know, you, you know, never had a date in his life or any of that kind of, you know, that's, but he, that's the, the way it was probably because these men, they didn't come together because they all liked golf or they all liked the same football team. Or they all, you know, shopped at the same men's clothing store. They came together simply because they had a problem. They were all lepers. And, and this problem, this problem that, that hit them is just like all the problems that hit us in life. You know, all these things, you know, the problems of life are great ground levelers. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean sometimes, you know, we, we like to vaunt ourselves, well, we're not like them or whatever. We're not like these or we're not, you know, kind of those kinds of things. And, and we kind of get a little bit higher opinion of ourselves than we're supposed to have of ourselves. But we need to remember who we are. No, 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 not who we are. We need to remember who we were. Because we forget sometimes, it, you know, just like they needed to, they were looking at who I really am and they were looking maybe back and say, I remember when I had money, but they needed to look back beyond that and remember who they actually were when they were born into this world. I mean, we, we came into this world with nothing and we'll leave this world with nothing. You know, we, we won't have those things and we need to remember who we really were. When Jesus found us, we need to remember the person that we were and, and all of these things. And, and if we, if we don't remember those things, then some, some bad things begin happening in our minds. Some bad things begin happening in our hearts. We begin thinking some things that we shouldn't think. You know, it's kind of one of the reasons that I, I don't, I don't want us to wear three piece suits and ties, you know, dresses and high heels on Sunday because something happens to us, you know, and, and I see this, you know, as 15 plus years pastoring, you know, I, I would see this, you know, people, people would dress it up on Sunday morning and walk in the door like they didn't have a care in the world. They didn't have any problems, you know, they didn't have any financial problems, you know, they hadn't been yelling at their wife all week. Their, you know, their kids were perfect. None of them are on drugs or anything. And I knew different because they were in my office for counseling that week. But they would dress it up on Sunday morning, put on their three-piece and their tie, and walk in and act like, you know, y'all got problems, but I don't have problems. See, that's one of the problems that happens when we begin to dress up in that way. We clean ourselves up enough that we start looking around and we believe, begin to believe that we're better than those who don't dress up like us. Or something else that can happen is we, we stand there long enough in front of the mirror and say, you know what, I look pretty good in a, in a suit and tie. You know, I, I, I look pretty good. You know, and if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe the image that we see in the mirror. But we need to look beyond the image. And, you know, when you look in the mirror, if, you, if you'll kind of look beyond and to the side, what can you see? You can see the background, can't you? And we need to look beyond the image in the mirror and remember the background of where God found us. Because one of the problems that we'll have is if we start believing the image in the mirror, we'll start saying, man, I'm pretty good looking. I, you know what? I don't need a lot of grace today. I, I'm just pretty good as I am. We need to look beyond the image and remember the background and where God saved us from and say, thank God for grace. I need grace today. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ugly on the inside. I'm dirty on, you know, what you see today is the cleaned up version after the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away my sins. After the, after the washing of the, uh, of, of the blood and after the washing of the water of the Spirit, Lord, that has, that has, uh, uh sanctified me and set me apart for his purpose. I mean, what you're seeing today is a, is a, is a tuned version of what he found me. And so I, I can say, man, I need grace and we don't need to cast aside grace, but sometimes we'll do that when we forget who we were. Okay. So that was the first thing they did. Now they, they said they, they started encouraging one another. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. And if we sit still here, we're going to die also. So therefore, let's come and let's fall into the hand of the host of the Syrians. Now, this is the enemy army that's camped not very far from the city. And say, let's just go, let's just go, go into their camp, just fall into their camp. And if they save us alive, we will live. But if they kill us, we're going to just die. 
So they encouraged one another. And here's what they said. They said, Here, here's our options, guys. Now, here's the encouragement. Does this sound like encouragement? If we do one, A, we're going to die. B, we're going to die. C, we're going to die. And D, we'll live. Doesn't sound like encouragement, does it? Sounds like bad encouragement, doesn't it? I mean, the, the, the end of the verse right before that said, why sit we here till we die? I mean, we're going to die. You know, we're going to die, die, die. Uh, we might live if this one works out. We got one option. I, that doesn't sound like encouragement. Sounds like bad encouragement. But you know what it is? It's real encouragement. We need to get real again. Come on, we need to get real again that we have problems. You know what, what, what really pains me is to look around and see people that come to church every Sunday and they've got needs, they've got problems, they've got struggles, they've got battles, they've got questions, they've got doubts, they've got pain in their life, and you know what? They won't, they won't, even, they won't even turn it over to God and, and even look at God and say, God, help me in this. I mean, we need to get real again. You and I, we got problems. I mean, we're like the lepers, you know, sitting outside the, the city gates, we need to admit, the fact, hey, we've got problems. Our families aren't perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. You know, our marriages aren't perfect. Our finances aren't perfect. Our health isn't perfect. We need to get real again. I mean, we live in a, in a world that's full of sin. We're cursed by, by the sin, the original sin of Adam and Eve. We're on, you know, if we don't allow God to help us in our life, you know, we're, we're going to be ended up headed to a devil's hell that's been prepared for the devil and his angels. And, you know, we, we need to get real today and not just gloss over it and say, oh, it's going to be all right. Let me tell you this. If you sit where you are, it's not going to be all right. If you sit and allow what, what's been happening for the past six weeks, six months, or six years in your life, if you continue to allow it to happen and you don't, you don't step up and do something about it, you don't say, wait a minute. If we sit here, we, if you don't start, figuring out your options and turn it over to God and say, God, i got to have some help here. If you keep doing what you're doing, it's not going to get better. You're going to die in the middle of this problem. Your family's going to die. Your marriage is going to die. Your finances are going to die in the middle of this problem until you say, God, i got to have some help here and turn it over to him. You know, that wasn't bad encouragement. That was real encouragement. You need to be, I'm being real with you today. You need to be real with yourself. You need to be real with your God. He's the only one that can help you out of your junk. But there was some good encouragement because here's what they said when they got to that fourth option. They said, you know, but there is hope. Here's the one hope that we've got. Well, I said, we, you know, we got one hope. So why don't we take advantage of this one hope? See, that's what I'm telling you today. Oh, man, awesome parable here out of this true story. Why don't we take advantage of this one hope that we have? We have one option today that, that, that might work. Well, we know it won't just might work. It's going to work if we turn it over to God. But they, they, were, they didn't know if, the, if, if these men were going to do this, but that's where we stand, is knowing that we've got all these options. You know what? We can do it our way. That ain't going to work. We can do it the counselor's way. That ain't going to work. We can do it Dr. Phil's way. And that ain't going to work. Or we can turn it to God. That's our one hope. And no matter how bad the situation is, everybody in the city is about to die, with, die from the famine. And these leprous men are going to die with them as well. And, but no matter how bad it is, there's always hope. Let me tell you this. If I didn't believe, no matter, I, whatever your situation, I don't care. I don't, if, you were to, if everybody was to blurt out the worst problem you're walking in today, I, I don't even have to hear it. I don't care what it is. Because with God, there is still hope, no matter what your problem is today. And if I didn't believe that, I would step down off this stage right now and never step back into a preaching pulpit ministry ever again if I didn't believe that with God there's always hope there's always hope you you've got you've got to have that and you know what here's the thing is there's somebody around you 
that needs to hear that. They need to hear that one word today. There's always hope. And they need to hear that you, they need to hear that you believe it as strong as I believe what I just said. That if you don't believe it, you just, you just quit even going to church. If I didn't believe, there's always hope. There's somebody around you that needs to hear that word. No matter how bad their, their situation is, no matter how bad it is, there's still hope. And there always will be in God. Somebody needs to hear that. Oh, but we cover it up or we build our fences around ourselves. We never say it. On with the story. So they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And then when they were come to the outermost part of the camp, the enemy army, behold, there was no man there. What time did the, did the rich leper go? What time did the poor lepers go? What time did the young lepers go? And the, and the old ones? What about that dog ugly one? Did they make him come later? No. There's an important word right here. The importance of the word together. They all went together. The rich one didn't say, well, since I had more money back before we lost it all, before the economy got so bad, I'm going to go first and y'all follow along behind me. No. The pretty ones, they didn't get to say, because all, all the girls liked us and you're ugly, you know, we, we, you know, we, we get to get. No. There's, there's, there's an important word here, and it's the word together. Can, can I show you in the book of Hebrews? You remember where it says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, let us encourage one another. Don't, don't give up the gatherings together that we have. And not just in this house, but in lots of places. Places where we can gather together. Oh, but I, 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 I just need about an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday. That's all I need. No, that's not what God thinks. God gave you friendship. You need me. Whether you believe it or not, you need me more than an hour and 20 minutes a week. Or you need somebody. You need somebody in your life. You need another Christian friend in your life. You need Christian family members in your life more than an hour and 20 minutes a day. You need to be around somebody else who is pouring into you and encouraging one another. I mean, here he's talking about the gathering together. Look in Matthew as well. He says, where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, when two or three of you get together, I'm going to come and I'm going to be there. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say he would come meet you when you prayed. I, I don't know anywhere in the scripture that it says, when you bow on your knees by yourself, I will meet you there like that. Not in this way. Not, that's not what, he, what does he say? He says, where, two, where you gather together. The importance of together. I mean, we have, the, we have the promise of the presence of the Spirit of God when we come together. We've got to take the fences down. I mean, if you've got the fence around your life, how, how can you hope to have the presence of God in your life? Because where he promises it with us is he said, I'm going to be there when two or three of you get together. Now, I'm not going to argue with you because, yeah, I know God is with me everywhere I go. And I know there are some times that I pray and I know God moves right in. But he gives us the promise of being with us every time we come together. I mean, if you want to know that you are in the presence of God, the, the way to do it is not just go off to yourself. Man, the best way to do it is find somebody else, two or three others that will gather together with you. That's the promise. He doesn't promise you. He promises us. They'll gather. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You know, what, you, know what, you know what happened this day? The church was birthed. The church began. 
You know, that's what we're trying to do around here. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you why I'm pushing this so hard with you this morning. It's because in a new church with a lot of growth, you know what you do? When you walk into a new place, what do you do? Man, you, you check the gate on the fence, make sure it's closed real good. You know, you're going into uncharted waters. You've never been in a, in a, in a church like this before. You know, maybe you don't know any of these people, so you kind of got your guard up. But that's what we do. And we come in and we sit down, and, and for a while, and if we're not careful, we'll just sit down with our fences around us and never, ever take them down. That's what happens in a new church. That's what happens when you have a lot of growth. That's what happens when a lot of new people come in. We don't know one another real well, and so we keep our fences up. We kind of reach over the fence and shake hands. Hey, good to see you this morning, brother. You know, we might run into each other in an event or whatever, but we never take the fence. we got to start taking the fences down because you know what we're trying to do around here? We're trying to do what, the, what was happening right here. We're trying to build a church. And you know what, how God builds a church? He builds it through togetherness. Together. That's how it all happened. On with the story. Now, when they got to the enemy's camp, the, army, the enemy army's camp, everybody was gone. Here's how it happened. Because the Lord made the host of the Syrians, all this army, this huge army, to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And, and so the enemy army, all the Syrians, they said to one another, oh no, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians, to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and they fled in the twilight. So in, in the twilight, while the, the four lepers were coming down to their camp, they all got up and they took off running the other direction. They left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when the lepers came to the outermost part of the enemy's camp, they went into one tent and they, you know, it was empty. So yeah, they ate, they drank, they carried silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And they came back and went into another tent and they, they carried Thence also, they carried more silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. Where are the miracles? I mean, where are the miracles? The miracles that used to happen in Christians' lives. Where are the miracles? You know, there are some miracles that happen just outright and awesome that God says, I'm going to do something amazing. And he does it because he wants to. He does it just because he's got a purpose. Nobody even has to pray for it. And God just does a miracle because we, we need it or for whatever reason. There's sometimes that God just does an awesome miracle like that. But most of the miracles, you know when they happen? They happen just, just like this. Here's our parable for today. Here's how the miracles happen. It's when people come together to do a thing for God and put themselves in a place where God can meet their need. As long as they sat down on the outside of the gate of the city, they were just dying. Every day they were dying. It wasn't until they said, let us do something. Let us move together. Let us, let us move in this direction together. And, 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 you know, I know it doesn't say specifically that, that God magnified the sound of their feet, but I don't know that he did that, but I know that's what he was doing. He was using their moving. And whether he magnified the sound of their feet or he sent all of the armies of heaven racing along beside them so the lepers didn't even hear, but he made sure the Syrian armies heard. I don't know how he did it exactly, but I do know that this, because, because since the lepers didn't see him, they must have run in the opposite direction of the lepers, or the lepers would have seen him too. So it, it, it just seems to me then that all of this was happening and the sound that they were hearing was coming from the same direction as the lepers were coming from. And so it appears to me that what God was doing is God was taking what they were willing to do together. And God was just exploding it with spiritual TNT dynamite into an awesome miracle into their life. And then they get there and every one of their needs are met. They needed clothes. Clothes on their back were worn out. 
And there, there were the clothes. They needed money to buy. Man, food was so expensive in the city. They needed money, and there was the money. And they just needed something to eat that day to make it another day. And there was all kinds of food and drink there. And the miracle happened because of what they were willing to do together. The miracle of, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this community, we talk about our community. When I say our community, I'm talking about my community, your community, your community. Your, we, we've all got communities. And we've got communities where we work. I mean, that's a community. And, and, and the awesomeness of what God wants to do in our community, in our communities, the awesomeness of what God wants to do there is not going to happen until we decide that we'll do something together in God, for God, through God, and let God Work a miracle. And in, in, in your situation, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until you decide. What am, what am I, if it's your marriage, you and your spouse, you've got to come together and decide, this is what we're going to do, and let God start working there. There is power in unity. I mean, go back to the, the story of the Tower of Babel. God, God said, you know, got to go down there and confuse these people because, man, they've got some unity going here. And if I don't stop him now, then nothing's going to stop him. He was saying that even evil unity is powerful. How much more? The unity of the children of God. Oh, i got to hurry and close this real soon. Uh, Then they said one to another, we do not do well this day as a day of good tidings. We hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. We must tell what we know their first inclination was, oh my goodness, let's get all this because, man, we've been hungry for a long time. Got to hang on to this. Their first inclination was, let's build a fence. That was, that was the first thing they thought of. We got to build a fence. Everybody else is going to want some of this. So we got to build a fence. But you know what they did? They said, we can't do this. This is wrong. It's bad. We've got to tell what we know. And in the book of Ezekiel, <coughs> uh, He says, and he talks about the watchman. He says, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of just one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Son of man, I've made you a watchman. That's the the negative reason. That's the real bad reason why we need to tell what we know. Because we're accountable. We're accountable for what we know. And people around us are dying and going to hell every day. Their marriages are falling apart. Their finances are horrible. You know, they've got sickness in their body. They're, they're addicted to drugs, alcohol, and all manner of things. And we know something to tell them. God's going to hold us accountable for not opening our mouths. If we're walking in that and we don't, we don't open our mouths and tell them. But here, here's another reason to do it. Look right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Now, the King James says, uh, says uh, stir up the gift, but I, I brought it to you in the NIV today because I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to see, he says, fan into flame. The gift, that, you know, because here's what we do, is we say, well, if the pastor will ever stir us enough, or, you know, or if the song is, ever just stirs us, us enough, or, you know, if, if I can just get passionate enough. No, you know what he says? Paul is telling Timothy, he says, you're responsible for the passion in your life. You need to take the gift that God has given to you and fan it into a big flame. That's what he's telling them. You are, if you don't have any passion for God, not shame on the pastor or the church or your friends or your family. If you don't have passion for God, it's shame on you because you're the one responsible for the flame. And even the King James, if you say, well, I like the King. Well, the King James says, stir up. Who's stirred? He didn't say get somebody to stir up. You stir it up. You are responsible. He says, fan, fan it into a flame, this gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 
But he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. we got to take the fence down and open our mouths and tell somebody something about God. I mean, we, we, we've, got, we've got to get back to the place of, uh, of talking about this amazing thing that has happened to us. I mean, isn't it amazing? Is it not all you that the Lord and the creator of this universe came to live in a body just like you have to deal with all the pains and sorrows and sufferings that you do. And he forgave you of every sin 2,000 years before you even committed them. And he's prepared you a place. Does that not haul you? Is, is there not something inside of you that says, wait a minute, go back to last week. I've got some responsibility here. He might not make me tell everybody, but I need to grow up and be an adult. I have responsibility here to tell people. We must tell what we know. Amy, come on. So they came and they called the porter of the city and they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither even the voice of the man, but the horses tied, the asses tied, and the tents as they were. What made them, what made everybody in the city listen to this story that these four lepers were telling? Now, it wasn't who they were because they were outcasts, okay? It wasn't anything about that. Anyway, what was it? But here's the, here's the thing now. When, when the word got to the king, you know what? The king doubted it, but he didn't doubt the story that the, that the four lepers were telling. What he doubt, he thought... He thought that the Syrians had kind of slipped out of their camp and they were waiting for uh, the Jews to come down, the Hebrews to come down, and that they were going to ambush them. He believed the lepers. There was something about the story the lepers were telling. There was something about it that even though they were outcasts, even though they were dirty, even though they were sick, all of that, even though all of that, there was something about the story that made them listen. I want to close with a, with a prayer and a song right here. Would you come stand with us? Everybody, come. Let's just stand right here around the front, if you will. Got one last, one last thought. I want to tell you what made them believe the story. I want to step anyway. What, what was it? You're, now, see, here's what I do. I read these stories, and you know, and I'm, I'm drawing mental pictures of all this stuff going on, you know. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not just reading the story. I mean, I'm, I'm embellishing in my own spirit, you know, like what's, what's going on in my mind's eye. I'm seeing all of these things. <clears throat> what would it be? What, what, what could these four lepers? How could they tell the story in such a way that everyone would believe them? You ever think about it? Perhaps it was the breadcrumbs in the beard when they knew these lepers hadn't eaten in days. Maybe it was the turkey gravy. Come on, think about it. Dripping off their chin. Oh, where'd they get that? If they didn't get it where they said they got it, where did they get that? Maybe it was the brand new sandals all four of them were wearing. They knew what these lepers looked like just a couple hours ago. Maybe it was the jingle of coins. Hey, keys my pocket. Maybe it was a jingle of the coins in their pocket. They knew these poor lepers, they didn't have anything. 
it was because they had evidence. Another word for evidence is what? Testimony. They had testimony of being, come on, think about this. You got to relate it to who you are. They had testimony, evidence of being in a place where God had done something awesome in their life. And they came to tell everybody about it. You know why people are going to listen to you? They're not going to listen to you talk so much about, they don't care a whole lot about what I said today. But when somebody close to you, somebody you work with, tells you a problem they've got, and you remember something kind of similar, where God ministered to you, you need to take the fence down. Let them see the gravy dripping off your chin. Oh, man. This is a blessing made it out. I don't know about you. You need to let them see the breadcrumbs. The remnants of the blessings of what God, oh, but we want to put the fence up. You know, they, they won't listen. Oh, take the fence down. Let them see the crumbs. Let them see the gravy. Let them see the shoes. Let them hear the jingle. You, you got to let people see. You have been given an awesome, great gift. You know something they don't know. And you have been to a place where God has done something amazing in your life. If he's done nothing but save you from your sins, you've been to a place where God's done, but he's done a lot more for you, hasn't he? Come on. Close your, close your eyes, bow, bow your head.